You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. You're going to camp. End of discussion. Dad, but Mom, we didn't do anything. not understand problems. Look, I'll tell you the problem, Mimi. You started a wildfire in my yard. You ate my yellow dwarf cichlid. And now you're putting a moves to my 12-year-old daughter. Okay? But that's just not true. Well, there, see? See, maybe you're overreacting, Richard. I was putting the moves on him. Tell me I didn't hear that. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies that you watched growing up, the ones you are nostalgic about, the ones you remember fondly. We watch those movies objectively, let you know, are these movies any good or are you blinded by nostalgia? This week, we watched 1997's family comedy, Jungle to jungle okay get a little savage zach and i honestly didn't even want to say that tagline because i feel bad saying it but that's the tagline for this disney film (sighs) get a little savage dude we got so much to unpack here man yeah first of all um what are we doing to ourselves (laughs) like the last couple of weeks we have just picked and we by the way happy episode 99 uh 100's not going to be better (laughs) stay tuned to hear what we're gonna fucking do for episode number 100 but like this movie fuck dude i remember when this came out um did see it in theaters because my family and i and it feels terrible admitting this now but huge tim allen fans back in the 90s and uh, oh no yeah i know um believe it or not and Home Improvement was like the jam in my house. So was really excited when this movie came out. And you know what? Just looking back on it, I hardly remember what it was like seeing it in theaters. Can't tell you um, what I thought about it. I remember the ending being kind of sad. Yeah, other than that, dude, I've blissfully left this movie in the past because you don't need to check the Rotten Tomato scores to know that this movie probably sucks. But the Rotten Tomato scores will, in fact, confirm that for you. Yeah, and uh, this to get this out of the way, this was a recommendation. Yes. Actually, by two people. Good friend of the show, Spencer, that little soothing voice you hear at the top of every show. Him and his fiance Geraldine, congratulations, by the way. Congratulations. Guys, recommended this show, uh, recommended this movie, rather, a, a few times. This has actually been one we've been pushing off, I think, because we knew <laughs> what we were sort of in for. I, like you, my family, huge Tim Allen fans, huge Home Improvement fans. Yeah, man. And this was, you know, right after the Santa Claus. And that was, you know, peak Tim Allen, really, at that time. You could check out our thoughts on that episode, by the way. This movie, (laughs) I haven't thought of since seeing it once back in the day. I didn't see it in theaters. I remember renting the VHS tape, but not seeing this since. And honestly, I didn't remember a whole lot except for that poster and Mimi Siku. See, I didn't even remember Mimi Siku. I had to take that in stride on this watch. And for those unfamiliar with Mimi Siku and his journey, uh, the IMD plot synopsis for the film reads, a man learns he has a 13-year-old son who was raised in the jungle and brings the boy to New York City, turning his life upside down in the process. Ooh, and uh, let's get this right out of the way in 2020. If you uh, can sense some racial... um, How do I put this? <laughs> How do you put this, Zach? If you think this movie is going to be ever so slightly racist, uh, you're right. <laughs> I mean, like, it's 
It's offensive, like off the bat, just the concept of it. Buckle up. Yeah, one of those movies that would never get made today. Oh no, under any circumstances. Buckle- <laughs> I, I I believe, or I, at least I hope, America has progressed that far. Well, I don't know. Have you seen exactly. what's in the top ten of trendy Netflix this week, Brandon? <laughs> We did talk about this off air that we just noticed the movie National Security dropped in the top 10 of of Netflix. And it's a movie that I've been it's been on my mind, honestly, actually, the past couple of months since George Floyd protests, the riots all about police brutality. And it's a movie that is a base. I'm going to remind everyone of the plot here, but it's Martin Lawrence as a police wannabe. He's in training that is unsuccessful at getting uh, into the police academy. And so one day while he's trying to get into his car, it appears he's breaking in. A white police officer, played by Steve Zahn, then tries to see what's going on, I guess. Anyway, there's a whole thing. The the plot revolves around Steve Zahn being mistaken for police brutality. Martin Lawrence making up the story that he was assaulted by this white police officer. Basically just saying, like, black people are inventing police brutality. And it's in the top ten of Netflix right now. Let's move on. Let's, I, I can't even dwell on that right now. Let's just move on to the racist movie in front of us. So this is directed by John Pasquin, not our first John Pasquin joint. He has directed a ton of TV from Growing Pains to Family Ties to, of course, Tim Allen's Last Man Standing. Of course. But he also directed The Santa Claus, Joe Somebody, and Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous. Oh, Joe Somebody, stay tuned, right? Am I right? For sure, 100%. Oh, yeah. I think we can all safely agree that the best thing Tim Allen has done outside of the Toy Story franchise is Galaxy Quest. Right? 100%. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. 100%. We, uh, we, I don't even know if we can do that movie on this podcast because yeah. it's, it's a good movie. Good, I think it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So Jungle to Jungle has a 5.2 on IMDb and a shockingly low 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Cost $32 million to make. It earned $59 million in the U.S. and was not released internationally. So that was its total gross. What? It wasn't released. Yeah, I'm sure other countries saw the poster and the tagline that said "Get a little savage" and said, eh, "No, thank you, Disney." I can't believe I can't believe this didn't do well in South America. <laughs> yeah, like good lord, it placed 31st on the box office charts that year, just behind "Kiss the Girls" and ahead of Anastasia. In terms of family comedies, it earned less than George of the Jungle, which which is essentially the same goddamn movie as this. Yeah, Only better, so, maybe from memory, anyway. So I I will admit to every once in a while getting. George of the Jungle, the live action George of the Jungle and Jungle to Jungle confused. And also, while we're on the subject of getting Jungle to Jungle confused, um, if you've ever seen the poster or the the title card for this movie, it is Jungle number two, Jungle. So uh, you would be understood if you mistakenly thought this was a sequel. It is not. This is an original standalone movie. Um, there was no Jungle 1. <laughs> there was a George of the Jungle 2, though, to add to this confusion, I think, in the yep, early 2000s. That's right. Yeah, direct there to absolutely was. Ugh, yep, there was a George yuck. of the Jungle 2. So uh, lots of confusion over this, um, <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie. But it did earn less than George of the Jungle, as well as three previous episodes, Hercules, Flubber, and Mouse Hunt. But... It did out-earn Bean, Home Alone 3, previous episode Good Burger, future episode Air Bud, and That Darn Cat. <laughs> that Darn Cat. Stay tuned. And if you can believe it, this is actually an American remake of a 1994 French film called Un Indien dans la vie, translated to Little Indian Big City. 
Jungle to Jungle's plot follows that of the original film fairly closely, with the biggest difference being the change in location from Paris to New York. However, that original film, not beloved. Our favorite critic here, Roger Ebert, hated it, gave it <laughs> zero stars, and uh, was hopeful that the American remake would be better. He gave it one star. <laughs> so, you know, one above. Uh, oh. He wrote, Jungle to Jungle was not as bad as Little Indian Big City because it was far too mediocre to be terrible. He also described it as a lame-brained, boring, predictable, long and slow, and added that while the French version was memorably bad, Jungle to Jungle was just forgettable. Gene Siskel, however, Ebert's partner disagreed and would later call Jungle to Jungle the worst film of 1997. Fair enough, honestly. <laughs> Don't tip your hand, Zach. Yeah, excuse me. Um... <laughs> You know what? I tipped my hand last week. I think I gave a disclaimer last week at the end of the episode that I was like, yeah, you thought I was going to be mean last week. And in addition to relocating from Paris to New York, the character Mimi Siku was made much older than the preteen in the French version. This was largely due to Americans' general discomfort with young love under the explanation that a teenager can get into more trouble, so... Aged him up. Wait, what? That's interesting. Yeah, and Mimi Siku, I don't know if you guys knew this, played by Sam Huntington uh, from Detroit Rock City. Fuck, what else was he? Not another teen movie. That's what I remembered him from. Mitch, cut it out. Fanboys, he's in that one too. This That wasn't his first film. However, it was the feature film debut of Lily Sobieski, who plays Karen in the film. She's in The Glass House and other movies, dude. Yeah, you remember her if you were alive during this time. Dude, I don't fucking remember. There's only two people from this movie I fucking remember. Tim Allen and Martin Short. <laughs> well, oh my gosh. And I finally, this last bit of trivia <laughs> made me laugh out loud because it just goes to show the incompetence of maybe some of the, the production here in general. An entire day's worth of film was lost when it was believed to have been accidentally left in a New York City taxi cab. That film was never recovered. Just imagine what sort of shit's on there, man. <laughs> Dude, oh my god. That's a documentary. I'd watch some people trying to find the lost footage of Jungle to Jungle. Jungle to Jungle, yeah. <laughs> Let's shoot it, dude. Let's quit our jobs, move to New York, and track down Jungle to Jungle. <laughs> the missing reel. All right, man, let's get into it. It was rated PG for some mild violence and language. Ugh. Yeah, oh, the mild violence in this movie. Yikers. <sighs> so, I mean, tribal flutes, they set the tone, as do the credits, which I think is in papyrus. Was that papyrus font? It was papyrus. <laughs> Just like Avatar. One of my favorite Ryan Gosling's <laughs> SNLs. That is one of the way. best. So yeah, that's that's such a good sketch. Uh, we get some beautiful sweeping shots of the jungle wilderness. This is takes place in, in Venezuela, and it's shot there. And it's beautiful looking, honestly. I was just about to say, I, I might as well get the good thing I have to say about this movie out of the way. Some of their location shots and the settings of this movie holy fuck i mean the the location of where the tribe quote unquote is yep like in this lagoon with a fucking waterfall right across from the beach fucking gorgeous it, it truly truly incredible uh scouting yeah and even when they get to the stuff that you've seen before in new york city it's shot pretty competently this is a good looking movie i'll say that off the top yeah but we get introduced to Mimi Siku, first in a canoe, then he's fucking free soloing it up the side of this cliff face. Then he gets up top and just screams. <laughs> the yeah. brisk, cool air. Nature's majesty incarnate. I think that's meant to juxtapose the urban jungle uh, coming up here. Am I right, yeah, Zach? <laughs> that's right, baby. And uh, <laughs> let's get this out of the way right now. We've already mentioned it, but let's really get it out of the way. Um, seeing this white kid dressed up in <laughs> tribal uh, attire... 
like a friggin' loincloth and war paint all over him. Straight up offensive. It like it. I cringed immediately. It's and I was like, oh fuck, what kind of movie are we into? It doesn't disappoint. It's like this is so so bad. Oh my gosh. So like we said, we fade into the urban jungle of New York City, man. And we're introduced to some real wolves of Wall Street. Am I right? There's uh, Martin Short as Richard Kempster, right-hand man to Michael Cromwell, the incomparable Tim Allen, who is a self-absorbed commodities broker living in NYC. And uh, probably my favorite part of the movie, Brandon, I don't know if you picked up on the sarcasm when I just said favorite there, is- uh, Interesting. They're- they're trading, obviously, as they are wont to do. They are traders. Uh, but Tim Allen goes for broke and buys a fuck ton of stock in... <laughs> in coffee. <laughs> in coffee. In just coffee. It, not a specific brand. Not, not Folgers, Brandon. Not Green Mountain. Not Starbucks, even a corporation. Just coffee. Just coffee. <laughs> That's like you You're investing stones. in water. I don't, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's, and it's so funny because like, I mean, you don't have to have been to wall street to know like kind of what it looks like there, but like, it's literally just like a giant board that says coffee. <laughs> not <laughs> not and like people shouting with papers and stuff in the in an yeah. audience, like auditorium. It's yeah, hilarious. Not, and it's not like abbreviated. It's just like, <laughs> It just says coffee. It's so fucking <laughs> dumb. And like every time they talk about it in this movie, they're just like, I can't, I can't believe the price of coffee's down. Like it's oil. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. And, and people will say, hey, it's a kid's movie. They're trying to dumb it down for kids. And it's like, you don't have to put a fucking financial services industry subplot in this kid's movie. He can do anything, anything for a job. Exactly. And if you think like this is like throwaway, like, oh, they're not going to come back to it. No, <laughs> it drives Tim Allen's storyline. Like this is like a huge part of the movie. A third of the movie is dedicated to coffee and Russian mafia. Yeah. And like <laughs> him trying to unload bad stock. It's fucking lunacy. Uh, and in typical Tim Allen fashion, he's a workaholic. This is almost identical to the character he played in the Santa Claus. Like that character too, he's divorced. He wants to marry a new fiance. This is Charlotte, played by Lolita Davidovich. So he needs to obtain a divorce from his first wife, Patricia, played by Jo Beth Williams, who left him some years earlier. He's getting married in 30 days, so this needs to be done quickly. Unfortunately for him, Patricia now lives with a semi- westernized tribe in Canema National Park, Venezuela. So that's where he's got to go to get her signature on divorce papers. The second film we've covered about a guy desperately needing his divorce papers signed by a former flame, Sea Twister. <laughs> yeah, that's right, baby. By the way, how better would this movie have been if it had starred Bill Paxton instead? Oh my God. I fucking, I, this movie gets a fucking 70 right off the bat. I, I'm, I'm also glad that you brought up the um, that other Tim Allen fuck movie that we did, uh, the, the Santa Claus, um, because I remember specifically in the Santa Claus episode saying that he wasn't that bad of a father, his son was a shithead, and, you know, he's just trying his best. Uh, can't say that about this guy. This guy is an actual shithead. Um, yep. He sucks. Was that him or were we talking about 
Arnold Schwarzenegger's Jingle All the Way character, who's also the same. But they're all the same, dude. Yeah, they're all the same, and we've we've mentioned this on multiple episodes. So because many episodes. This is, a, this is a theme that you see in some of these movies from this time that these dads are, you know, too busy for their kids, or you know, they're just they're work, 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 work. And I always have defended the fathers because most of them, really, in hindsight, aren't that bad. They're like, yeah, they're working a lot. But they're trying and like, you know, these families are extremely well off. You know, they could do better, but you know they can be forgiven because their kids suck. This guy doesn't have an excuse. He's single. Well, he's not single, but he's, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have a kid that he knows of. Yeah. Um, and he treats people like shit. You know what I mean? It just, he sucks. He's a, he's a real asshole, a genuine chode to everybody. But Martin Short is going to be covering for him back at work in the meantime while he's on this little trip. Because they're, again, they're talking about 300 shares in this fucking coffee. <sighs> and Michael, once as soon as he arrives, hmm. condescending to all the locals, he's an even bigger asshole to the natives of this tribe. He's outright disgusted by their way, way of life. Um, and we're introduced to Patricia, who's now called Paliku. Uh, because one of this the, like running things in this tribe is that you get to select your own name. She's delivering a litter of pigs. Huh. And because he was an asshole to the boatman too, the guy just leaves him on this island with the tribe. So he's stuck there for a few days. He's offered room with the bachelors and we find out why him and Patricia initially separated. And it's, a, you know, of course, it's because he was a goddamn workaholic. He was installing a fifth phone line and she was mistaken as the receptionist. You know what? Valid. Yeah. <laughs> Valid and fifth fucking phone line. Come on, dude. Yeah, fuck off. Also, there's a lot of uh, advanced quote unquote technology in this movie as we talk about phone lines because the first thing that jumps out to me are the freaking cell phones and the fucking laptop that looks more like a fucking PlayStation 1. It's fucking, <laughs> it's this weird white block. Satellite phones, man, because I kept thinking, how is he getting internet? And then they got better than the LTE 5G shit we got now. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> what are we doing? I'm stuck with the village people who want to celebrate Banana Fana Fofana. That was a line I wrote down. Thank you. Patricia tells him, you know what? Listen, I've got a son. We had a son. I didn't tell you. That one white kid over there, he's now 13 years old, and his name is Mimi Siku. His name is what? It's roughly translated to cat piss. <laughs> That's right. <sighs> cat piss. And he, you know, they he asks rightfully, why would he pick a name that translates to cat piss? And she's like, well, he was six. <laughs> okay. And Michael, he's pretty pissed at first. He had no idea that he has a child. Also pissed that his satellite phone shut down, out of battery. Now he's out of internet connection. And this unfortunately happened just before he was going to confirm the sale to Martin Short for the coffee trade. Dump the coffee. <laughs> Hope nothing bad comes from this. Never. But that night, he's asleep in the bachelor bunk. And this is where Zach, yeah, we don't get one fart joke. We get, I think I counted six farts. So... Despite your reservations, and I know your initial apprehension towards liking this movie, dude, I'm sorry, but it's climbing up the fart index scale, folks. It's already a 60. <laughs> we got to talk about how this may not indicate quality, but anyway, the line, <laughs> yeah. his comeback, or his like joke line is something like, talk about your wind instruments. Oh, now it's a 70. <laughs> this is one of the best movies we've done on this show. Fuck. Uh, take a shot every time, by the way, Tim Allen mispronounces... Mimi Siku, 
He gets, I think the first one's Mitsubishi, he calls him. You know, that's always a fun thing. We yeah, like very to laugh funny. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I was just going to say other cultures are funny. <laughs> exactly. That's the entire fucking gist of this movie, man. That's the running plot line, really. That night, he tries to bond with Mimi Siku, and he notices that his son is kind of the Casanova. He's giving a, a pot to a girl, which is the equivalent of flowers in our culture. But he doesn't seem to understand his dad while he's talking to him. Uh, he just keeps kind of speaking in his you know, native tongue. He'll, he'll say random English words. However, the next day while they're on this like canoe trip, he's trying to teach him English only to find out he already speaks English and has this whole time. So I, I whatever. Yeah, great. Cool. Um, also, he makes a terrible fucking Yoko Ono joke <laughs> in the boat because there's like a parrot flying around. And Brandon, I, this is where I got George of the Jungle in this movie confused because I was convinced that that parrot was a character in this movie. And that it'd talk at some point? That it would talk. <laughs> but no, that is George of the Jungle. They talk for a bit on the beach, though, and he promises to take him to New York City when he's a man. He'll take him back to his village. But he can't stay. He's got to go back to trading. And honestly, this place kind of sucks, according to Tim Allen. Because, you know, there's piranhas. The water's icky. He gets chased by a tarantula into the water and then chased out by a crocodile. Hey, Zach, what's your thoughts on this fucking spider, by the way? <laughs> um, Mikiki? I can't remember his Mikiki? name. But yeah. yeah. Um, my thought is that um, I wish... It wasn't in the movie. <laughs> I love it's like the way it's moving around and shit because it's pre-CGI. So they got this fucking puppet spider bouncing up and down. Because again, yeah. it's not a robotic. It's not moving each of its individual legs. It's just all of them at the same time bouncing up and down. They did not blow a budget on a fucking animatronic spider. <laughs> it looks bad. Um <laughs> But then, of course, there's a lot of shots where it's just the real spider, but it's hilarious when it's doing these, like, kind of action pieces with the actors. There's also this shot, too, of what is clearly the puppet, like, scrolling back and forth and Tim Allen running around on the beach, which, and <laughs> yeah. first of all, Tim Allen I, <laughs> fucking just doesn't look like he's having a good time filming this scene, um, running around. <laughs> But or this also, entire movie. No. He's pissed off this entire film. But they're also like speeding up the shots. Like, I don't know why we constantly insist on doing this in kids' movies in the 90s where we do. Like, they did this in The Mighty Ducks, too, where they would just like speed up like a chase. Yep, sequence. heavyweights. Yep. Yeah, they did it in heavyweights. Yeah, they do some Benny Hill fucking bullshit. It's so weird. I hate it. Uh, that night, there's a tribal ceremony. It's sort of a rite of passage for Mimi Siku. Michael is given the name Baboon. He tries to pick the name that translates to man who's extremely well endowed because we all like dick jokes in our kids movie. Sorry, that's already taken. And then this other villager right. like waves to him. <laughs> that means he's got a big dick, Johnny, if that's what yeah. you were wondering what that joke meant. Oh, thanks, Dad. Yeah, I'm sure I understood this joke when I saw this movie in theaters. <laughs> Dude, I didn't fucking understand what was going on at all. I, all I knew was that this freaking jungle kid was going to come to New York at one point. Wreak all sorts of havoc. Yep, didn't understand why, didn't care why. Um, I just wanted to see some freaking jungle antics. But the tribal leader has now declared Mimi Siku a man. So now, Michael has to pay up on that promise. Of course, he doesn't want to, and in fact embarrasses Mimi Siku in front of his, the entire tribe on the most important day of his life, a day he wanted his father to witness in the first place, which is why the mom convinced him to come to this island or wherever. But he's going to break the first promise he's made to the boy because he's a straight-up dick. And Mimi Siku walks away all defeated. Some sad music sets in. And we think, oh, wow, that's it. He's gone home without him. 
we also have to mention that the tribal leader has given him a mission. He's got to obtain fire from the Statue of Liberty and bring it back to his village. So we assume the worst when we see Michael all alone on a plane. But oh no, then the stewardess comes in. She tells him, hey, the young man you came on in with is urinating on the seat or something like that. <laughs> Was he in coach the whole time? Was that what we're led to believe? Like, No, I don't think so. I think the kid just like needed to go to the bathroom and ran back up, and yeah, pissed and got up to go and tim allen didn't follow up uh assuming that he probably knew about indoor plumbing me happy to be with you baboon that's kind of how he speaks in this sort of broken english where sometimes he'll use the word me sometimes he'll use the word i it just depends on how a fish out of water they want him to sound at any given moment i guess there's no consistency is what i'll say he of course still is in tribal garb shirtless a loincloth on an airplane carrying a fucking bow so you definitely know this is pre 9 11 and in case you didn't i fucking forgot he works at the world trade center yep there were so many shots of the Twin Towers and I kept thinking like, wow, they're really, I mean, I knew it was a centerpiece of New York and everyone knew those. It was like, wow, they are really going all in on the Twin Towers. And then, oh fuck, he works he there. He works there. Yeah. That's what they did in yep. the trade trade center. Yeah. They bought, they bought coffee. Coffee and sold it. Yep. Martin Short meets him at the airport and is horrified that he fucked up the trade. Martin Short's scream here, by the way, I think was maybe the one of two chuckles I got out of the movie because some of his reactions, again, he's trying as hard as he can to make any of this material funny. And it, most of it is landing with a thud, but I got to admit, yeah. he gets a couple chuckles out of it. He's also got a shitty character. Like this Richard character yeah, for sure. sucks, but you know, Martin Short's doing what he can. I still like him. Yeah, he's... Super upset because he didn't sell the tro the stock in coffee because Michael didn't confirm the sale, losing a ton of money for their company. The boss, not happy about this, so he brings them in for a meeting in which he proceeds to berate and shout at them. Mimi Siku hears this because he's in the waiting room and he unleashes his spider pal. We neglected to mention that the, the spider's attracted to shouting and yelling. And Mimi Siku's thought process was like, I'll set this spider free to kill your boss because... <laughs> You know, you know, his, his culture is backwards and he's a savage. Oh, man. Yeah. And if you all think that this, you know, all this useless information about like, oh, the spider doesn't like this or, you know, like. There's nothing else uh, to talk about. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing else to talk about. And honestly, so much of it actually fucking comes back into this movie, like plays a role. <laughs> and like, I, fuck, just no word wasted in this script. Yeah, man, it's a real, like, diehard, back-to-the-future, perfect script, yeah. So Tim Allen is trying to save his boss. He starts shouting at him to sort of, like, persuade the spider to come in his direction. This is the real laugh I got of the whole movie. The spider acknowledges there's a louder noise in the room by raising his eyebrows. There's a close-up on these spiders' eyes, and it's like, oh, more, like, loud noise over there. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so like stupid. it's a dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like, Rrr. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh. And uh, yeah, so he, anyway, he gets back in his little cage. And from here on out, it's a series of just, you know, fish out of water yucks, man. We do meet Charlotte, his fiance. There's a documentary crew following her around for some fashion channel. <laughs> so, I mean, now, like you equate it to the the Kardashians, like they're just following around like she's, you know, sure. Just watching. But this wasn't a thing everything. in 1997. I don't know. So this was just kind of like a weird thing. But like the producer plays a huge role in it, I guess. Yeah, well, she, she, she's got a wedding to plan. All right. So she's super frazzled and is not pleased about this child being thrust into her life. Yeah. Mimi Siku, however, perks up when he hears there's a girl his age he's going to meet. We told you he's a Casanova and he sure the fuck is. It's Martin Short's daughter, Karen, played by Lily Sobieski. And I want to say this right now. 
Her character's name is Karen. Her real name is Lily Sobieski. You'd be confused as to thinking, is Mimi Siku a fake name? Or is that the actor's name? Is Lily Sobieski? Well, nope, that's her real name. Can we also talk about how, like, Mimi Siku, I, and I think the ladies who listen to this ep- this podcast will have to confirm, he Sex is, icon. Yeah, I mean, he was exactly what, like, at least Hollywood thought girls really liked in boys. He's like this super tall fit kid with like flowing blonde hair and a baby. Face. Yeah. Baby, baby face. Yeah. Baby face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's, um, he's Greg. Uh, Greg Sestero. Greg yeah. Sestero, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's Greg Sestero. It's great. Um, so I mean, like I have to think that Disney cast this kid and was like we're gonna get a ton of girls to come in and watch this movie it was a box office success man and karen she's certainly thirsty for this kid charlotte invites him to dinner that night well i guess with some sort of fancy bougie ass uh fashion folks uh but he's only interested in eating eating lizard guts and pissing on plants at one point he climbs out on the side of the building when he spots the statue of liberty in the skyline he does eat cat food at one point thinks it's fucking awesome he's not a fan of this new york city highfalutin dining but he likes cat food he also like at one point uh pours cereal but he pours it on to the table and not into a bowl so it's literally just like <laughs> yeah a pile of milk and cereal <sighs> how do you feel it's going with like the jungle antics so far not a fan i think as a kid i probably would have been a fan of maybe like the spider stuff because you know that's yeah that's something and honestly like when he does go out on the building and shit it's shot again kind of well so there is maybe not some suspense or anything but it at least is like exciting (laughs) kind of anyway at least it's something because most of this movie is them stuck in fucking rooms or them going to the park and him doing something silly and it's just like oh what the what the, what the fuck? We, and if it's not that, then it's talking about coffee and stock trading and Russian mafia. Goons. Dude, I truly and we can't stress this enough to our listeners. I cannot believe how much time of this movie is fucking dedicated to dumping coffee stock. <laughs> it's mind boggling. I'm not over it. I saw this movie two days ago and I can't fucking get over that this is fucking essentially uh, the movie Wall Street. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> but after Mimi Siku has sort of ruined their dinner, Charlotte blows up at Michael uh, because she sort of feels cheated here. You know, she mar- she's going to be marrying Michael. She had no idea he had a kid, and this isn't her fucking speed. But Michael assures her he's only visiting. He'll be headed back home soon. He does have a tender moment that night with his son. You know, he's like trying to tuck him in, but like an idiot, he shoots himself in the foot with Mimi's like trank dart gun thing. He's like blow gun. Blow dart. Uh, yeah, and now that he's passed out, Mimi brings his dad a blanket, tucks his dad in just as he had, you know, given him moments earlier. You know, I also, I want to, um, while we're on the subject of his blow gun, um, just want to point out that this is very much a pre-9-11 movie, not only because there are the Twin Towers in a bunch of shots, but um, he he brings onto an airplane a poisonous tarantula, a blowgun, a bow and arrow, and I think a spear. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention no shirt, no shoes, no service, my friend. (laughs) No shirt, no shoes, probably no underwear, like... Dude, flying used to be so fun, man. But he's white. Whatever you wanted. It's fine. He's white. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He is white. He's white and blonde. I forgot about that. The next morning, 
Mimi Siku shoots an arrow at a pigeon killing it. I did kind of get a laugh out of this. <laughs> Just because, I don't know, it fucking nails that pigeon from across the way. And the woman's, I guess, like feeding pigeons. Like, she deserved it, you know what I mean? <laughs> but Michael has to work. So he leaves Charlotte in charge. And Mimi with some Cap'n Crunch, as we mentioned earlier. And, you know, he's so not used to this stuff that the taste of sugar sort of freaks him out. He does not leave before teaching him the meaning of the word obligated. That will come back as well. And uh, also ordering him not to kill the cat. Matika, that's the spider's name. Matika gets out of his case and Mimi follows it into Charlotte's bedroom. And I guess we're meant to believe that the spider crawled under the covers or that Mimi's just a fucking sneaky perv because he looks under the covers, presumably seeing something he shouldn't have. And he says the words, which I wrote down, nice poochie poochie. Yep, I remember that. <laughs> it's... Gentlemen, if you want to get laid tonight, go to your woman, look her dead in the eye and whisper, nice poochie poochie. You know what? I got a text message to send real quick. Hold on. <laughs> Works every time, my friend. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and she replies with calling him a savage, by the way. So, yeah. <sighs> Later that day, Mimi just sort of wanders around New York City. He hops a ferry to the Statue of Liberty, set to a song by both. Which song? By Peter Gabriel and Shaggy is a fucking duo for the ages. I like. I was like, I've never heard it, but given like what else is going on in this movie and the time period it came out, yeah, I buy it. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He climbs the Statue of Liberty, super disappointed to find out that the torch is not real. <laughs> that flame is not real fire. There's a pretty bad CGI shot of Mimi <laughs> just sort of like plopped on top of the statue's crown. It makes no sense, like, based on his proportion, and you can also just, like, see some of the outer lay, like, like green screen effects of his legs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> but he catches back up with Dad later and actually tries to run away from him because he's told that, you know, his dad didn't really want him here. He was obligated to bring Mimi back. You know, after this whole, I'm a man, back and forth, Tim Allen tries to teach Mimi Siku the ways of his jungle. <laughs> Such as how to get around, which I think this may be the, the most racist joke in the entire film. Just He's like, just wave your arm. And a taxi cab pulls over and he's like, magic. And he's like, no, magic will be if he understands English. And of course, the man's wearing a turban, clearly Middle Eastern. They drive off and it's fucking, hey, Tim Allen. Oh, oh no. It's, it's uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, that. That joke is tough to swallow now, too, knowing what we know about Tim Allen. Actually, what's funny is if you type in jungle to jungle racist into Google, one of the first things is it's an 11-second YouTube video clip of just, like, someone on their cell phone filming the TV screen of that joke. And then after they see the joke, they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, Martin Short is waiting on Tim Allen for their meeting. And now to make the plot even fucking cooler, I guess, they got to throw the mafia in. So we're introduced to... Alexei Jovanovich or something. I don't know. He's a Russian mobster and a caviar dealer, I guess, with plans to buy the coffee stockpile they have in cash or something. I don't know. What fucking kid is this for? So it's, yeah, again, essentially because Tim Allen puts it together that he's not really buying stock. He's laundering money. Right. So fucking, yeah, I don't know who this is for. Like, because you're not going to. You're not going to sit here and tell me that the parents are engaged enough to give a shit about this fucking coffee exactly. stock plot. And kids are not going to fucking understand this at all. Like, what? Do you, stock options? Are you fucking kidding me? I barely understand it now, Brandon. I'm 28 years old. I wonder if they got some sort of notes from like a test screening that said, you know, my kid really enjoyed it, but he kept asking me, 
what's going on with the coffee stock trading subplot there? It seems like you guys might have missed some ends that I want tied up there. Maybe you could maybe devote the next 20 minutes to explaining that out. Jerry, Jerry, it's me. We need to freaking double down on the coffee plot. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> get in here. Oh, God. So Mimi Siku is now kind of walking through New York City, and he's dressed at this point as a classic 90s teen. Because we got the baggy ass jeans, he's got a striped tee. It looked like a puka shell necklace there for a second, bro. Yeah, I mean it is <laughs> it is truly, truly, truly awful. Um, but isn't he also still wearing face paint? I think he might be. He might be. I know he does put it back on in like the next scene because this I I noted it was one of the only yeah. scenes he's actually dressed like an American teen. But he yeah. does start an impromptu dance at the park which is pretty sweet. Everyone loves it. Even Michael joins in at one point. <laughs> ah, they're becoming father and son, bonding, growing closer. Yeah, this is the classic, like, Disney needs to show, like, some wholesome family shit. I could have fucking skipped it. And, like, I could have fallen asleep for 10 minutes and woken up and been like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> well, it's a good day until they get home because Charlotte has been locked in the bathroom with the giant-ass spider that's been out there all day kind of <laughs> blocking her inside. And she decides to leave. She's going to stay at her loft or her office that night because she's kind of had it with the jungle boy. It's not what she signed up for. Yeah. But Michael knows he needs to get her back, so he drops off Mimi with the Kempsters. This is Martin Short's family. Meanwhile, Michael has taken Charlotte out for dinner, and Richard just starts, sort of like shows up out of nowhere because we find out that he forged Michael's signature, <laughs> made the deal with the Russian guy, and accepted a million dollars in cash, but then the coffee stock plummeted. Or no, it, it went up. <laughs> yeah, it went up. Then it went, yeah, right, and then it went up, so then or the no, Russian wait. guy thinks that he was, like, trying to rip him off, right? Yeah, because that part yeah, hasn't happened right. yet. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm sorry, fuck. <laughs> yeah, we're getting, it's, it's, too, it's too intricate, man. We're losing yeah, the Yeah, the coffee, the coffee ply is very complicated. Um, coffee has plunged incredibly yeah. low. And so the mafia guy uh, is pissed off because he is not going to get a good return on investment. uh, Back at the Kempsters, Karen has been flirting up a storm with Mimi Siku. He also eats and kills their their fish, which has Richard Furious when he returns because it's a super rare fish, I guess. Super expensive, yeah, like 10 10 Gs or something like that. Which, again, hey, guy... If you're a family man who's kind of struggling, I mean, not struggling, but, you know, you clear, why are you spending $10,000 on a fish? Well, that's what's annoying is that, you know, they're, and I get like their jobs might be on the line for this bad investment, but they keep acting like they're absolutely fucked if this goes wrong. But like the reality is they're both like one of them lives in a New York City, giant New York City loft. Yeah. 10,000 feet up in the air. And Martin Short lives in the goddamn suburbs in like a McMansion. <laughs> yeah. With $10,000 worth of fish just chilling. Later that night, Michael accidentally tranks the cat. Charlotte's cat. They're at his, <laughs> they're at her her apartment or whatever. I did get a chuckle out of this cat puppet, this lifeless cat puppet. He's just tossing it around and shit. Anyway. I did like when he I did like when he threw the cat and was like, "Wow, he's fast." That's <laughs> maybe the one laugh I got out of this movie. Mimi continues to put the moves on Karen. He even teaches her how to catch fish with her bare hands by a lake. Paints her face, gives her a new name. Ukumi, I think it was, custom in his tribe. You know, it means the sound of rain on river water. Ooh. Ukumi, yeah. Fuck. I mean, she, like, that, yeah, that just makes her, like, 
kiss him like immediately. Yeah, who wouldn't, man? The sound of rain on river water? Wow. Dude, with that freaking ah. 90s dreamboat standing in front of you? Hells yeah, dude. And she straight up steals a kiss. I've always got to steal my kisses from Mimi Siku. What? Always got to steal my kisses from Mimi Siku. What are you doing? Remember that song? I've always got to steal my kisses from you, but I replaced you with Mimi Siku. Thing. It's just more yeah. syllables. Okay, gotcha. Whew. Richard <laughs> now wants to send Karen to an all-girls camp after finding out about her having the hots for Mimi. Does he find them in bed or something yeah, like I that? He, I feel like I looked away from... Yeah, yeah okay. I think he finds them like in a... Compromising position. In the ha- yeah, in the hammock or something, yeah. Good for them, at least I thought at first. The coffee price is now soaring, but bad for them, I guess, because now the Russian feels as though he had been cheated in this business deal. He'd been swindled, which... They offer to give him back the million dollars, like just take the million dollars back and he's not, you know, any worse for the wear. Yeah, they had already gave him back the million dollars. Like, he doesn't lose any money on this. He just, like, missed out on an opportunity because he was the one that agreed. Honestly, that's fucking just fair trade, man. I don't know what to tell you. Sure, and even if, if they were so, like, worried, then just give him... If they just made a shit ton of money off that deal or whatever, just give him a little money if it really doesn't mean all that much to you. Again, I just don't know why why this is now he has to arrive and torture Richard for info going so far as to like, he's prepared to cut off all his fingers. It's fucking nuts. Yeah, fucking just, <laughs> oof, oof. but thankfully Mimi Siku's there to save the day. He unleashes the spider and then the whole family starts fighting off these henchmen in a, just a fucking ridiculous scene. A few of them accidentally get tranked. Ultimately though, the family is unscathed. They're able to defeat the mafia who just sort of leave. (laughs) Oh, the spider. The spider scares them off, really. Yeah. He even, like, says that. He's like, there's nothing scary. I'm not going to do the accent. I'm not going to fucking. He says, like, there's nothing that scares me more in this world than that spider. Ugh, shit. So that's the end of the fucking coffee stock mafia storyline it turns out fucking a tarantula saved the day there you go there's our climax yeah uh, so winding down act three i suppose um michael finally makes good on his promise he takes him to the statue of liberty but mimi's kind of sick of this place he wants to return to his tribe he's sad that he failed the chief by not getting the fire plus he just misses his home and so he decides to leave at the airport his dad gives him or he gives his dad rather the blow dart in the middle of an airport, uh, his dad his dad gives him a Statue of Liberty lighter, which, yep. you know, if you light it, actually has fire coming from the statue. Therefore, his completing his mission successfully. Which he carries on a plane, by the way. <laughs> That's right, sir. You can't bring that on. I'm sorry. Is that toothpaste? You can't bring that on here either. can't bring that on. <laughs> I don't think you use shampoo just based on what I'm looking at right now, but, like, you can't bring, can't that, bring that on. can't bring that on. <laughs> Um, on the plane home, though, he does find that his dad's also given him a, something a little extra. He finds a sat phone and a laptop packed in his luggage. Thanks, Dad. So later, I guess, and if this is super soon after, I'm assuming, maybe a week or two, Michael is slowly starting to see the error of his ways. He realized Charlotte's a real bitch because <laughs> she's just constantly focused on this stupid documentary show thing. Yeah. Uh, and now he's in good graces at work. Everyone's super happy because, you know, coffee still on the rise. People still drink it, apparently. There's even this one scene where his boss is, like, talking about how, like, greed didn't used to be a bad word. Let's make some money. Blah, stocks. Coffee! Coffee. And I think it's in this meeting or later. Oh, no, later on, he's actually able to 
spear a fly with a blowgun, which was, I guess, this challenge that Mimi Siku had for him. Once you do that, you're a member of the tribe or some bullshit. Yeah. And he does so when it hits the boss in the back in the bath. The boss uh, passes out. And, but Michael decides to return to Venezuela to see his son and ex-wife. He brings the Kempster family with him for a vacation of sorts, I guess. And Karen and Mimi are reunited. And it's suggested that Michael and Patricia probably also resume their relationship. But uh, never quite confirmed. However, we do get a freeze frame on Tim Allen shrugging. I'm sorry. She just <laughs> farted in my face. <laughs> I was wondering what the hell was you immediately just like went from happy sad <laughs> oh god just go to sleep you've been awake all day <laughs> oh well i mean honestly a dog fart really does symbolize this <laughs> the ending of this movie i gotta say yeah exactly <laughs> uh let me go ahead and let me go ahead and just fucking because that's the end of the movie we do get an after credit scene where he goes through his uh ceremony where he's accepted into a tribe um, Tim Allen does one final very demeaning scene where he's running around like, yeah, my hand hurts. Um, and that, and then roll credits. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a perfect metaphor that this movie feels like a dog farting in your face. <laughs> it's, I mean, from the get go, it's an offensive idea, you know, about this, like that they would have a movie like this in general is just kind of fucked up. Um, the idea that you would make the native boy, quote unquote, a white kid is even worse. <laughs> it's just, it's, so it's, it's just right off the bat, just really shitty on top of that, man, fucking what is going on with this plot? Like, I know we've been, I know we harped on it and we laughed at it, but honestly, like, what the fuck are you thinking putting in this massive, mafia stock option plot are you out of your goddamn minds for thinking that this was a good idea um on top of that it's not a very f uh family friendly movie i think there's a lot of really kind of fucked up content here um jokes that are really not good for the family not good in general they're not funny and it's it's so weird it feels like it feels like an episode of fucking Home Improvement where it's like, you know, this is like, it feels like Tim Allen is pandering to his fucking adult audience. It's just, it's just a weird fucked up movie, man. And it's really not good. I like, I don't know who's nostalgic about this. If you are nostalgic about it, fucking skip it. It like, it's terrible. It's a really, really bad movie. Um, there's very little redeeming about it it is beautifully shot there are some location shots that are gorgeous i mean and, and that's not hyperbole they are beautiful beautiful shots but that's it that is the redeeming thing in this the music's not good fuck man fuck me i it sucks it's a bad movie i'm gonna give it a <laughs> let's see it had a 19 on rotten tomatoes you know what i agree spot on i mean 19 i think it's one of the worst movies we've done on this show <laughs> It's really, really not good. Yeah, not not a fan, man. I knew there was a reason I remembered almost nothing about this movie, and it's because it's really entirely forgettable nonsense. It's a cold fish out of water story that does not have a lot to offer. Tim Allen is annoyed and put upon through the entire movie. And after a few of these types of movies on the show, I've come to realize I hate watching actors playing characters that do not want to be in the story they're in. Yeah. It's just not fun to watch someone pissed off that they have to be a parent, especially when... The slapstick hijinks shit surrounding them is so flat and uninspired. Yeah. I do think Sam Huntington, 
saves this from being an all-out travesty. I think his performance as Mimi Siku is 100% earnest, and he tackles the material with, you know, a slight charisma and charm that many actors his age wouldn't have been able to pull off. That being said, the movie treats this character and the Venezuelan villagers awfully. <laughs> and yeah crazily misguided and racist in its depiction of tribal customs and culture the russian fucking mafia villains come out of nowhere and amount to nothing another classic example of trying to make the financial services industry a plot device in children's entertainment kids don't give a fuck about that stuff so just stop doing it hollywood yeah uh i don't need to ever see this one again you know it's not worth your nostalgia like you said if you have fond memories of it Keep them as they are so that you don't feel bad looking back at a culturally insensitive movie you loved as a kid. Uh, and I would absolutely not show this to kids today. In fact, with Disney putting all these disclaimers up on certain movies and removing Daryl Hannah's ass from Splash, I think Disney Plus ought to slap one of those outdated cultural depictions disclaimers on this one because it's pretty rough. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I'm giving, yeah, like a 19, maybe even a 15%. And that's honestly for Sam Huntington and Martin Short made me laugh twice plus there was some farts on that fart index scale that i can't i can't ignore that's very true and i agree with you sam huntington um especially for a child actor or i guess in his case it would be more of a teenage actor in this movie yeah um it, it, he does do pretty well admirable performance but again shouldn't have been casted it's yeah it's, fucking, it's, a, it's, it's crazy it's a story that it, didn't the, the need whole, to be told <laughs> yeah the whole concept of this movie is just fucked up it's just weird man doesn't sit well in 2020 definitely something they of course got away with back then but now man fucking skip it i'm super curious how george of the jungle would hold up because it is kind of a similar tone but i do know i think that movie at least handles its subject matter with a little a little less cynicism and and uh xenophobic i think also what george of the jungle has going for it is that i'm 95 percent sure that is based on a cartoon oh yeah yeah um yeah, so, I mean... There's talking you know, fucking animals in that one, yeah, so they're really playing up the the fantasy of it all. Yeah, exactly, so that one can be forgiven, but this is, like, billed as an earnest fucking family movie, and it's just... Eek, it's just not good, man. Not happy we did it. <laughs> yeah, not much better on the horizon, unfortunately, but uh, before we get there, anything uh, yeah. you want to recommend, not recommend, what'd you watch? Um, actually this week I've just been watching Bob's Burgers because I realized they put all the episodes on Hulu. So that's what I've been watching. <laughs> nice. If you don't know about Bob's Burgers yet, it's like one of the best cartoons uh, alive right now. It's great. Uh, I watched In Search of Darkness, which is a, like a four hour long horror documentary on Shudder, which is pretty badass. It just takes the entire uh, decade of the 80s and revisits all literally every year by year just goes through them and the movies that kind of define the era and would come to influence horror movies after it. Again, this is for horror movie nerds out there, so I can't recommend it to anyone else. But if you are, it's on Shudder, worth your time. Sure. I also watched Blowout, which is a Brian De Palma movie, which I had never seen starring John Travolta back in the day, like 1981. I won't get into it much, but definitely fucking watch that one, man. I'm trying to watch some older stuff that I hadn't seen, just sort of gaps in my filmography while I have the time during the old pandemic. Sure. And uh, lastly, I did watch uh, the new movie I watched was An American Pickle, <laughs> the fucking Seth Rogen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Pickle movie there on HBO Max. 
Dude, I gotta say, Seth Rogen, I think, is one of the most consistent comedians working today, but this one might have been a bit of a miss for me. I think it's super earnest and weirdly tame for his, his, his I don't know, comedy style anyway. I think yeah. he does a really good job doing a dual performance, but talk about a movie like similar to this one where the plot just goes fucking all over the place for no reason. Like, I get trying to be original and not being predictable. You want to keep going in different directions. But man, oh man, when you see where the movie goes, you're like, why, why the fuck did it go this direction? Whatever. I, I didn't hate yeah. it or anything, but it's 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 okay. If you have HBO sure. Max, it's it's under 90 minutes, so you can get it in and out. But don't download it for that. Um, you don't want to recommend Rob Schneider's new stand-up? Whew, well, I'm going to spend the next 44 minutes as soon as we end this fucking recording watching it. So, yeah, I'm sure that'll be on my recommend next week. Stay tuned. That's honestly Great. the biggest news for our 100th. How do I feel about Rob Schneider's new stand-up smash? Yeah, I can't wait to discuss it next week. Um, <laughs> but before we do a deep, uh, hour-long dive in Rob Schneider's new stand-up, um, we do have to address our 100th movie, Brandon. Whew, I can't. Oh, genuinely, dude, I cannot fucking believe we're here. Yeah. 100 episodes that's crazy and it only took us two years <laughs> longer than it should have i was gonna say i think we started this podcast in like 2016 or something 27 <laughs> uh no not 2016 uh dude it was somewhere around there man. 2018 been, i think dude i don't know dude i think because oh, i've been here in california for almost two years and we oh, had it fuck. going for at least dude i know right i think we started in 2016 and it just took us a long ass <laughs> yeah i mean definitely overdue so whatever but um fuck yeah a hundred episodes. But what a movie to yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, what a movie to do it. Um, Brandon, actually, last time I saw this movie was with you in person. One of the last few times that we've actually spent some in-person time together. Um, so I already know what, how both of us feel about this movie. But um, it's going to be good for listeners next week. I think it'll be fun. We are doing, and I don't know the year, Brandon, I'm sure you'll I think it's 1997 again. Oh my god, we're really wow, we're doing 1997's Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. <laughs> what a dude, I, I thought we were thinking of a movie that could kind of just, you know, our first episode was Space Jam. We did Batman Forever, which I think if we if you could revisit that episode, which I might just to hear our thoughts on, because I again Yeah <laughs> fucking Batman Forever, dude. I think we I think we probably bring up batman and robin we have to at least once or twice in that movie yeah um in that episode i mean yeah man i this movie i we have to like episode 101 has to be a decent movie because we've just been doing shitters the last couple of weeks and i'm getting <laughs> exhausted um and this movie i mean if you know about this movie you know about this movie um i owned it and watched it a lot when I was a kid. So I it's I I don't want to spoil anything. We've got so much to talk about, so much to go over, especially considering what Batman has become now. I think it's going to be a dazzling 100th episode. <laughs> it is streaming on HBO Max if you want to get up on that before the episode drops next week. Feel free to do so. If you want to check out all fucking 99 other episodes, please visit our website, nbd.podbean.com. You can also find those episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, I think, all kinds of podcasting apps and sites. iHeartRadio, give us money. <laughs> They'll never gun him. Uh, I think we're on Facebook too, right? Twitter, Instagram, all that shit. 
Oh, yeah. Don't forget to please, please, please write us a review on all that shit. Um, <laughs> every time you write a review, it really helps the show. It helps spread the word. Speaking of spread the word, tell your friends about this stupid show. These idiots have been doing this for a hundred movies. There's got to be at least one of them you could find interesting. <laughs> uh, what a challenge that is to find which one it is. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening, though. We really appreciate it to get to this far even have anyone tune in week after week it's it's uh it's nice we enjoy do, yeah. being able to do this it's a good excuse for us to be able to chat every week so i'm glad we've been able yeah. to do this especially cross country me too and it's really just too bad that i'm canceling the show before we get to the episode. <laughs> that's the last <laughs> wait oh fuck dead. dude no wait oh shit yeah what that's a twist it. yeah what a twist uh we we end what a bold, bold, bold decision on our part man. yeah uh well <laughs> we don't do the popular thing at, here at nostalgia be damn we do what feels right <laughs> oh, on that note have a good one man <laughs> yeah peace wear your goddamn mask